Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. And I, I titled this message, Thanksgiving Leftovers. Uh, you like leftovers? Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk about three things to be thankful for. You can be thankful for husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house because they usually make them big enough to call in professionals. <laughs> eh? You can be thankful for children who put their toys away and clean them up after themselves. It's such a joy that you hate to see them go home to their real parents. <laughs> and you can be thankful for smoke alarms because that'll tell you when the turkey's done. <laughs> but no, really, I do have three things I want you to be thankful for and... and uh, but I do want to say a happy Thanksgiving. It is something that we celebrate in Canada as well. We do celebrate it uh, earlier in October. And I was doing some study and some research, and I'm not going to bore you with uh, details and a bunch of stuff, but I read that over 700 million pounds of turkey will be consumed tomorrow. Can you imagine? Over 700 million pounds of turkey will be consumed tomorrow in the celebration of Thanksgiving holiday. Families will gather There'll be cornucopias filled with, with meat and potatoes and gravy and all kinds of pies and puddings. And, you know, it's going to fill the, the stomachs of men, women, and, and boys and girls and children. All this kind of food is going to be prepared. And then there'll be leftovers, right? How many of you like leftovers? You, that's good. I don't mind leftovers myself. I, I, I love a turkey sandwich. I, I, I can eat turkey leftovers. I can eat ham leftovers. I can eat lots of, there's lots of good things in uh, <clears throat> I want to tell you, I don't know if I've told you this. This is an absolute true story. It happened to me in Nova Scotia. Um, I was the new pastor in a church in Nova Scotia and was invited out to a family's uh, dinner meal after the service one Sunday. It was the second Sunday I had been there, and I thought, well, sure, I'm going to go. And um, Dana and the girls were still back in Saskatchewan finishing up the school year. I had gone out a little bit early, you know, do some scouting around and look for housing and stuff. And so the church had had a potluck two weeks before I got there, and, and I had done a, a Sunday service, and this was the second Sunday that I was there, and I invited out by this couple to their home for dinner following the service, and I went along. I thought, hey, that's, you know, better than going out to someplace and eating alone. And so, um, and I kept telling myself, well, it's Nova Scotia. I really don't know what to expect, but you know, there's lobster out here, right? There's, there should be lots of seafood in Nova Scotia. But um, anyway, uh, turns out that the meal wasn't what I expected. And, and it was okay. I, I, I just kept telling myself, you know, this just isn't home. This isn't, I mean, because Dana's a great cook. She's a wonderful cook. And this is okay. This is all right. And then uh, as the lady was cleaning the table off after the meal was done, she proceeded to pull out all these Tupperware containers and take the lids off them. And she took the plates from the table and started to separate stuff and put them back in the Tupperware. And she took my plate of stuff. This is absolutely true. She took stuff off the plate that I hadn't finished and put it back into their proper Tupperware container and proceeded to tell me that they just hate to waste anything and they love leftovers. And I found out that that was left over from the potluck the church had had two weeks before. And then I'm thinking, 
is somebody going to get served what was on my plate that just went back in those pot, you know, those, what are they called? Tupperware containers? And then I realized, hold it. I just probably ate something that was on somebody else's plate the week before. And I, you know, so when I talk about leftovers, I'm talking about the good leftovers tonight, okay? The really good leftovers, Thanksgiving leftovers, things that we can be thankful for. And I want to give you some spiritual food tonight. Three things that are left over, are, that are left for us, perhaps is a better way to say it, from Christ's atoning work on the cross, things that we can be thankful for. And if you've got your Bibles, if you've got a smartphone or some electronic device, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 13 to 14 get started here. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Father, your word goes forth and it, and it falls onto follow ground. It falls on, on it, Father, it's absorbed by good ears. It's, it's absorbed by follow ground. And I thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that for what you please. In Jesus' name we pray it and give you glory, Father. Amen. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Man, we sang about it tonight and just about in every song that God has set us free, that He's redeemed our lives from destruction. He has delivered us. He has conveyed us. He has redeemed us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. How many of you know you've been delivered from the power of darkness? Darkness no longer has any power. It no longer has any authority. It no longer has any grip on you. But like Pastor Robert said, the truth, you know, it's the blessing is there. We've got to walk in it. We have to walk in it to receive it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life. I, I, I remember, you know, 30-some 30 30 years ago when I got saved, I know what path that my life was on, but I thank God that he, he delivered me from that path. He delivered me, and He has redeemed my life from destruction. He says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Are you the redeemed of the Lord tonight? We're said, you know, we're told in Scripture, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I want to give you three things that he has redeemed us from. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Number one, we can be thankful. He's redeemed us from the curse. Amen. He's redeemed us from the curse. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14 declare that he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, it's already been done. It's not he will redeem us or he's going to redeem us. Oh, some, you know, blessed by and by and the sweet by and by, oh, one of these days. No, no, no. It has been done already. Amen. You are the redeemed of the Lord. I know we used to sing those old, you know, I, I grew up in the United Church in Canada and we'd sing those old hymns, you know, we'd have, you know, the organ player on one side and the pianist on the other and, and then we'd sing those, you know, in the sweet by and by when we all get to hell, you know, those kind of stuff. But you know what? We are the redeemed right now. We are blessed right now. We've been delivered right now. He has redeemed our lives from destruction. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. You see, you are no longer under the curse. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer under the power of darkness. You have been redeemed. And you don't need to suffer religiously. Oh, you know, I, I, I've heard people say, you know, I'm just suffering for Jesus. No, Jesus doesn't want you to suffer. That doesn't give him any glory. 
doesn't give him any glory. He's paid the price, the ultimate price. He gave his life. He shed his blood for us, and he was raised from the dead. Don't suffer through religion. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed. Christ has redeemed us. He set us free, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If we read on in this verse in Galatians chapter 3, we get to the end of the verse, end of the chapter in verse 29, it says, And you are Christ's, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, if you are Christ and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's the promises of God to bless and prosper the seed of Abraham. See, we're joint heirs of the blessings and promises of Abraham. We walk in the fullness of the blessing through the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross for us. We're joint heirs. We've become joint heirs. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, church. Redeemed from the curse, delivered from the power of darkness, conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. You see, in John 10, 10, Jesus said it this way, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what did he say? I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And I run into people all the time that, you know, they, they get the two positions mixed up. They say, well, you know, God did this to me and God made me this and God made me that. God did all these things. You know, I, I had well-meaning people, really people that, that love me and care for me. But when I was going through my ordeal with my health and, and situation and, and, and uh, we, you know, we had got the green cards, all this, this two-year process to get our immigration stuff finalized. And when we, when we got it done and, and the lady at the U.S. consulate in Montreal, she swore us in. We raised her hand. She swore us in and said, welcome to the United States. That was the end of April. Well, May 2nd, I was in the hospital fighting for my life. And I had well-meaning people coming to me saying, you know, coming to my wife and saying, well, this is God's way of telling you that you're not supposed to go to Texas. This is God's, God, this is God's, this, you know, this is God's way of, you know, hello, I've got ears. He's placed his spirit within me. I can hear. Pastor Ron can hear the church. We, we could hear if God didn't want us to go. We, you know, he didn't have to put me in the hospital, Right. You know, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have to do that to you. Amen? And so here, you know, Jesus says, it's the thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Yes. Hey, we've been redeemed. Have you been redeemed? You're the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He's delivered you from the power of darkness, conveyed you into the kingdom of the son of his love, redeemed from the curse. You have been redeemed from the curse. Let's thank God for that. Amen? Number two, redeemed from bondage. Uh, <laughs> we sang about it again. Redeemed from bondage tonight. How many of you know you've been redeemed? It has been done. It has been done. Yes, there'll be a greater revelation, a greater freedom of that when we, when we do stand before the Lord. Yes, when we do get to heaven, we'll, I mean, yes, there'll be a completeness of it. But right now, I want to tell you right now, right here today, the Lord wants you to walk free from bondage, free from bondage. He wants you to walk free from the curse. He wants you to walk free from bondage. Galatians 5.1 says, stand fast, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He says, stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. You see, Christ made us free, and, and the, the, the Apostle Paul wrote this, wrote this 
message to the churches in the province of Galatia because they had received Christ. They had been saved by faith, and yet they had turned from that walk of faith and were trying to continue by following the law. And he's saying, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Why would you try to continue your walk of faith by going back to the things that God saved you from? Hey, doing the do's and don't doing the don'ts and, and following all the rules and the regulations, that couldn't save you in the beginning. So why would you go back to that? Walk in freedom, he says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. How many of you know Jesus wants to set you free? And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Man, you've been redeemed from bondage, redeemed and set free. We don't want to go back to the things that he has saved us from. But the enemy doesn't want you to know you're free. He doesn't want you to know you've been set free. Because then once you, know, once, once you know, once you understand that you're free, you won't put up with his bondage again. You won't put up with it. You know, it's like, it's like uh, the Israelite army standing on one side and, and the Philistines on the other and, and Goliath is out taunting them and he's, he's taunting them and taunting them and he's cursing them and he's cursing their God. And, and they're putting up with it. And then when David, little David gets on the scene, you know, man, he's not little, but I mean, he's, you know, a young man, but he gets on the scene and he hears what's going on with fresh ears and a heart of faith. And he says, how dare you defy? How dare you defy the God of the armies of Israel? Church, there's times when we need to just, you know, take a stand in faith. And whatever it is that the enemy may bring against us, whether it's sickness, disease, or infirmity, or poverty, or guilt, or shame, or fear, doubt, or unbelief, we, might, we have to stay, take our stand and say, how dare you defy the blood of the cross? How dare you defy what Jesus has done for me? How dare you defy the word of God? He has redeemed me from the curse of the law. He has set me free from the power of darkness. By his stripes, I am healed. How dare you defy the atoning work of Christ on the cross? See, we've been set free. We've been set free. But many of us, we're kind of like the apostle Peter. In Acts chapter 12, if you, if you turn with me quickly to Acts chapter 12, read verses 4 through 7. I'll give you a little, a little background here. Herod has uh, declared war on the church. And uh, he had killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And he had arrested Peter, put him in prison. In Acts chapter 12, we'll, we'll catch up, we'll read up the story here in Acts chapter 12, and verse 4 through 7. It says, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. He must have thought Peter was pretty dangerous. Delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. I think Herod had this in mind where he's remembering what happened to the last person that he arrested and had put in, you know, at Passover time. And that didn't work out too well for him. So he's going to keep him in prison until after Passover. Then he's going to bring him before the court and have him sentenced to death. But verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. Again, hey, God's never really early, Right? but he's always right on time. So he had been in prison. We're not sure exactly how many days Peter had been in prison, but he had been arrested and put in prison before Passover. And now Passover has happened. And it says, in that night, 
You know, when Herod was about to bring him out, remember, he's going to bring him out after Passover. That night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the doors were keeping the prison. Let me ask you, how comfortable do you have to be to be bound with chains between two prison guards and fall asleep? You've got to be pretty settled in your situation, I think. I think you've put up with it for a while. You've put up with it for, you've gotten used to having those chains You've gotten used to having those chains around you. You've gotten used to having those guards that, that are watching over you, keeping you in prison, that are keeping you in bondage. You've gotten used to it. You've gotten so used to it that you put up with it, and now you're just sleeping comfortably between them. Hey, how many of you are putting up with stuff? Jesus set you free. He's loosed the chains. But there you are, sleeping between the guards that are keeping you bound in prison. And you're so comfortable with your situation that you can just go to sleep. Sleep so strongly, sleep so soundly that, you know, the angel of the Lord in verse 7 says, stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side. I mean, he actually had to strike him. He had to hit him to wake him up. Raise him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. See, he had to wake him. He had to shake him. He had to wake him. I mean, he had, you know, I don't know if any of you guys watch NCIS, but he had to give him one of those you know, Gibbs slaps on the back of the head like, you know, wake up, man. Wake up. I mean, here you are. You know, you're a child of God. Christ has set you free. And here you are. And I've, got to, I've come to set you free, but you're sleeping. You're so comfortable in your bondage. You're so comfortable in your situation that, you know, he actually has to hit him to wake him up and get him to move. But as he moves, as he takes those steps, the chains fall off. I want to encourage you tonight, church. You're redeemed from bondage. Take steps of faith. Get the word of God within you and take steps of faith. Those chains will fall off. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Remind the enemy of that next time he tries to stick you with something that Jesus has set you free of. Remind him that who you are. You're a child of the most high God. You're a child of the living God who hears and answers prayer. His blood has washed you clean. And you've been redeemed. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And you've been set free from bondage. Bondage no longer has dominion over you. Amen? See, we have that to be thankful for. Thankful for that we've been redeemed from the curse. Yeah, it's, it's something that's left for us from Christ's atoning work on the cross. Redeemed from bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the Apostle Paul said, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And number three, we've been redeemed from condemnation. Mm, I love this. And this is probably one of the things that perhaps we struggle with the most. Guilt, shame, condemnation. But the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in verse Verse 1 of chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, he, he puts that in there, because if you walk according to the flesh, if you're trying to continue by doing the do's and don't doing the don'ts, you're going to end up in guilt and shame and condemnation, right? That's why he wrote that letter, about, you know, if we back up to Galatians 5.1, you can put a little asterisk there and write in your Bible. Don't be afraid. Listen, don't be afraid to write in your Bible. To, you know, say Romans 8, 1 and Galatians 5, 1, they go together really good because, you know, you're not going to walk in condemnation if you're walking in freedom, if you're walking free that Christ has made you free. But when you try to walk in the flesh, when you try to earn it, when you try to do it, and when you try to get to the place where you think you can continue in your works, then there's going to be guilt, 
shame, and condemnation. And let me say this. You can never make yourself more righteous than what the blood of Jesus already has done. Amen? His blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, washed us free, cleansed us, healed us, delivered us, set us free by his stripes. You know, there's, there's nothing we can do to make ourselves more righteous than what the blood of Jesus already has done. It's a completed work. When he hung on that cross and cried, it is finished, that was a cry of victory. It was a cry of victory. And it was, he's saying, it is complete. I've done all I'm going to do. I've done all I need to do. It's, it's done. It's complete. The atonement is done. It's, it's yours now to walk in by faith, redeemed from condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to flesh, but according to the Spirit. That means you're walking by faith. Walking by faith. Believing that what Jesus has done for you was complete and full, and he has cleansed you and set you free. You see, we, we think about freedom. We think about what God has done for us. And I run into, again, I run into people that will tell me, well, Pastor, you know, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. And, and yeah, I, I don't. I'm getting to know some of you. And, and, uh, but listen, I know that God knows everything. I know that God knows you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. And you know, let me tell you this, it doesn't scare him. Can I tell you that? It doesn't scare God. It doesn't catch him by surprise. You'll never, you'll never catch God scratching his head and thinking, you know, I didn't know that. Wow. You know, no, listen, when we come to God, you know, we're told in Scripture, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, we just need to run to him. Not run away, but run to him. And when we run to him, he's there with those nail-scarred hands open wide, beckoning to whosoever will come and receive healing, come and receive deliverance, come and receive forgiveness. Come and receive that forgiveness. See, there's no condemnation with him. Uh, you know, and, and we get mixed up sometimes. You know, let me tell you this. It's the, the enemy, the enemy that wants to whisper in your ear and bring guilt and shame and condemnation. The Holy Spirit will convict of sin. But in his conviction, he'll also convince of righteousness. And he'll testify of Jesus, of redemption. You see, the principle of the cross is that mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. And when you run to Jesus, when you run to that cross, you receive mercy. You find grace to help in a time of need. Church, we can be thankful. We've been redeemed from the curse. We've been redeemed from bondage. We've been redeemed from condemnation. Set free. Set free, set free. You don't have to live in guilt and shame and condemnation anymore because his blood has washed you clean. His blood has set you free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Mm. I want to close with Scripture here in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You know, I always struggled with feeling qualified. I think it stems from, uh, you know, my childhood. I was a scrawny little kid growing up. Um, one of the smallest in my classes. I think in, the, you would say, the ninth grade, uh, in grade nine, I, I weighed less than 80 pounds. 
Um, I was the shortest, I was the skinniest, the scrawniest kid. Uh, the only, only boy in my class with, the, and uh, you, have to, you have to hear this by faith and believe it by faith, with natural curly hair, okay? But I did. And I, 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 you know, I just wasn't that popular, I guess. People didn't think I had much to offer. But, you know, when they'd split the, the, the class up into teams to play a ball game or play, uh, you know, do some kind of sporting thing, you know, there were girls that would get picked before me. You know, the captains, you know, they, 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 you know all the popular guys would get picked first. And then, and then I'd be still standing there in, in, the, in the row, and they, they, they'd start picking girls before they'd pick me to be on their team. And so I grew up with this complex of, you know, I just, maybe I'm just not enough. Maybe I just don't have what it takes. Maybe I'm just, you know, always destined to be down there, you know? Then I read this verse. I got saved and... Studying one day, a few years after my salvation, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And I was inspired to read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Giving thanks to the Father. Who's, who's the Father? The creator of all heaven and earth the sea, and all their sources. The Most High God, El Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, the God of the universe, giving thanks to the Father who has, who has qualified us? The Father, the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea, and all their sources, the living God who hears and answers prayer. He is the one who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You know, it's not the most popular guy in school. It's not the valedictorian. It's not the, the quarterback of the football team. It's not your boss. Yes, you know, you, we want to we please our employers, and we want to do a good hard day's work for our employers, but you know what? The one who qualifies us, the one where we get our self-esteem from, it's, it's, our, it's our God. It's our Father, the living God who hears and answers prayer. He's the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea, and all their sources. And this verse says that he is the one who has qualified us. He is the one who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That blesses my heart. That blesses my heart. To know that I can stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea, and all their sources, and know that I'm qualified by him. Oh, yeah, I've got some diplomas now that we can hang on the wall. I've got some certificates that we can hang on the wall, but they're just paper, really. They're just paper, really. But the one who has qualified me and the one who has qualified you tonight, I want you to know this. You're qualified by the King of kings, by the Lord of lords. You're qualified by the living God who hears and answers prayer. You're qualified by the only God, the most high God, the creator of all heaven and earth, the sea and all their sources. He has qualified you. He has redeemed you from the curse. He's redeemed you from bondage. He's set you free. He's delivered you. He is the one. He is the one. These are the things that we have to be thankful for tonight. Yes, and it's all because of what Christ has done at the cross. It has been done. If we go back to the very first verse this morning, or this afternoon, or evening, Colossians 1, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. See, it's not he's going to. It's not he's going to someday. He might. No, he has. It's already been done. From the power of God, he's delivered us and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love.
Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that tonight? You are the redeemed of the Lord.